podcast from Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Hello, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whatever you're doing. Welcome to Guns and Yellow Ribbons. I'm Fergus, I'm from Arsenal Fans Forum. I am Mike from Vangers Code Sip. How are we doing? I'm well, how about you? Yeah, not too bad. Should we do the weather forecast? Yeah, it's cold here, but no snow. How about over there? No snow, cold. That's that done, eh? All right. <laughs> as long as there's no snow, like, that's good. It just seems like for the last three weeks, all we've done is talk about the fucking weather. I know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, here it's expected. There, maybe cold. Not as much snow there, but uh, we're not expecting a white Christmas or anything like that. It was cold the other night. A really cold the other night um, at the West Ham game. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, how'd you get on in the uh, prediction league? Uh, we both sucked for the most part. I mean, we both got a Wednesday's match wrong. Five I, I mean, Arsenal. I had predicted three to one, and I told you I was my my head was telling me a draw, and I didn't do it. Even though I said two two, at least I would have got a point. Um, so we both got nothing for that match, and then. No, no, I, I, oh. I got a big, no, no, nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then Newcastle, you predicted 2-0. Yeah. And yeah. I predicted 3-1. to one. So we both got a point. So still two-point gap. You got five. I got three, but still a that long means way to what? go. That means you're, what? Um, you're in first. Your <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of time. You sound like a Spuds fan. Celebrate early. early. Celebrate no, early. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't ever say that to me again. The podcast <laughs> in prematurely. <laughs> Get you all so fired you... up for the podcast. <laughs> did, did, did you watch um, the uh, the West Ham game midweek? I did. I had the audit on Wednesday, like I had mentioned. I had it on my iPad. I had it up. I was briefly glancing over periodically. Um, I saw a couple of plays. I remember seeing the Jack Wilshire shot over the crossbar. Um, but I wasn't really able to pay attention to it. Um, but once I got back, I was able to watch some of the highlights and watch it back and make some notes on it. But it looked, you know, that was, um, that was Jack's first 90 minute game in over three years. I know he, um, he didn't look too bad to be honest with you. I mean, it was first start in the premier league. Um, he, I, I was, disappointed with a couple of aspects of the game i i would have liked to see him put that ball away for sure um i think he, i think even he thought he should have yeah. scored that he had mentioned it after the match as well but I, I before even watching the match back um i had looked online and i looked on social media even though i said i wasn't going to but i had seen what the result was anyways and people were really having a go at arsenal i mean they said that they were poor and I mean, yes, they weren't at their greatest, but we created chances. Um, yeah, we what chances? Well, I mean, we had Iwobi shot off the post. We had um, Jack shot. Well, we I was okay with you up top, but we didn't put any crosses into him whatsoever. We had Maitland Niles on the left. The guy's a right-footed player. I honestly, I was really frustrated um, by one Maitland-Niles playing where he did. He's a great player and he had a good game, in fairness, um, and he'd done the best he could. But I was really frustrated that having Giroud up front against what would be a very deep uh, defensive West Ham, which they end up being, we didn't put any crosses into him whatsoever. 
Well, it's funny you say that because, um, I mean, I had made some notes that he, Maitland Niles had put in a couple of crosses. I mean, at least three or four. Um, I know the first couple he. Yeah, did you drew... see that one on the 38th minute? Is that the one you were um, no, you're earlier. You're already in the seventh minute. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, Mike's are are Mickey's. Avatar on my phone uh, for Mike because he's from Boston and uh, he's a Southie. No, not really, but you are now. <laughs> uh, you've now your picture on my phone is uh, Mikey from um, from from Ray Donovan. But uh, <laughs> uh, go on. You, I was jumping ahead. Go on. The he. I mean, I have a note here. Seventh minute, he had a cross into the box. Um, Giroud was the only one in the box. If you can see this picture I have up on my screen here, he's surrounded by six West Ham players. I mean, the likelihood of him getting to that ball is very, very slim. Um, in this case, he the ball actually went over his head. Yeah, I think now this one he he misjudged and, and it ended up going out for a goal kick, as happened a, a couple more times. But <clears throat> people were talking about crosses, and you had just mentioned it as well. And and we'll talk about it as we kind of go through the match. But I mean, I had noted a couple times that but you can see Maitland looks quite awkward there, trying to cross it on his left. He just it, it doesn't look natural, does it? I mean, I don't agree with. I mean, my frustration really comes from the fact that we have. Um, he's not naturally a, a wing back. He's not naturally a defender. Um, the fact that we have him there playing with Kolasinac on the bench kind of frustrates me. The fact that we have Monreal, who's a, a natural left back, playing center back when we have a center back on the bench. Uh, I believe Chambers holding. Chambers was on the bench. I don't know if was holding on the bench Wednesday. No, but, it, but they're available in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Is what I mean. So yeah. it, that in itself is frustrating to begin with because realistically, Monreal can fill the gap if needed, but that's not his natural position. And you can tell he looks awkward doing it at times. I mean, his positioning is very different than if he was playing out wide. His marking is very different. And you can tell on the goal that Arnautovic scored that got called back. Um, I Which mean, was offside. At, yeah. But look at this picture I have up here. I mean, four players, yeah. four Arsenal defenders in the box. No one picks up that one guy. There's one player of West Ham in the box. Shaka. One guy. Shaka is trying to catch it. Yeah. But the fact that no, I mean, you got Niles there, you got Monreal there, you got Cassiani. Everyone's watching the ball. There's one West Ham player in the box, and not one person picks him up. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's one. I thought, I thought Shaka followed him through on the run, but then he was slightly slow because he ran through those back three that you're talking about there, uh, and that's what gave the offside. Um, I, I all, all almost thought that Shaka played him on at the time. But I mean, my yeah, Shaka should. I mean, maybe he should have done a little bit better. But I mean, you always learn from a young age: one guy in front, one guy behind, right? Shaka's in front; he's watching the ball. Anything that comes down on the ground, he's there to clean Is it up. From the Rio Ferdinand school of. Um... <laughs> no, no one is backing him up, right? Monreal's not even in the play. Koscielny's not even in the play. It's like they're not even aware that there's a player behind them. And and I mean, if you're looking at this picture, this is. Very, very close. I mean, his head is offsides, his right foot's offsides, but we've seen these go against us. You know, and this is 14 minutes in. We could have been down 1-0, which would have made things really difficult. And another note that I had on this one is Bellerin allowing that cross to come in so easily. I mean, he took took that touch out wide, brought it to his left foot. I mean, he had five yards of space in between him. Like, he, did, he made no effort to really force him to – 
to bring that ball back. He just swung that ball in easily, and that just adds up to my frustrations with Bellerin at this point. Bellerin, uh, he's just he's just hard work to watch at the moment. He's more worried about his uh, his social media and his hair at the minute than than, than actually. Well, he does try. In fairness, in in this game, I was thinking of. Um, both our frustrations with Bellerin, but I did watch uh, and I saw some some quite good moves. He towards the end of the game, uh, he uh, no, that might have been the Newcastle game. He tracked back, uh, and you could see he was a bit of himself again. He was on the wrong side of the pitch, trying to cover his vacated position, and he just ran and ran and ran. He was, he was so quick; it was unbelievable. Um, I can't remember if that was the West Ham game or but that's his, the Newcastle game. But, I think but, it was the Newcastle game. But I think it goes back to what I said before, and we've had this discussion in the past: is if he doesn't have that pace, he is average at best, given the way he's playing right now. Um, he needs to improve his defensive um, side of things. He's not. He was never he, he, good defensively. I think. No, no, he never has been. And Per Metzak has been covering for him time after time after time. Per is obviously ready to be gone out to uh, pasture. Um, <laughs> I, I thought that'd be shot. <laughs> um, um, he's more interested in way up the pitch, uh, trying to be a striker, uh, trying to cross the ball, but he can't cross the ball. If he was good at crossing the ball, you could actually forgive him and say, well, actually, he's up there. He's, he's actually supplying. Um, and he's just, he, he doesn't, he, he fails to cross that so many times. Yeah. And he got, I mean, and we'll get to it. He got down the line so many times against Newcastle and he could not put a fucking ball into the box. It's, it's beyond frustrating the fact that you can get there, but when you get there, the service is shit. And then people complain about, you know, Giroud and Lacazette and let's score goals and this, that, and the other thing. Realistically, the only service is coming through the middle, right? And if you eliminate the play coming through the middle, which Arsenal tends to do often, and and we that's our plan A, plan B, and plan C. Um, we're not really a team that we'll shoot from outside the box. Uh, we're not a team that will try to play it wide and play it into the box unless we're really desperate. But it, when we get there, we need to be able to take advantage of it. And unfortunately at the moment, I would probably say the best one to give us an option outside is Colasinac. He can get down the line. He can play a ball in Monreal. Yeah. Isn't the greatest at putting the ball into the box. Um, he's not one. But to Monre- really- Monreal, I, I go back. I think we spoke about Monreal a, a couple of weeks back, and I said about Monreal versus Gibbs back in the day. And I like actually liked Monreal because of his oh, more yeah. defensive. No, hundred percent defensive qualities. I think Monreal's been a, a huge servant for us, and he's very under underrated. I think he he doesn't get the credit that he deserves over the last two three years. I think he's been extremely consistent. But he, I think he's getting the credit now though. Yeah, but I mean, even last year, he he was kind of overlooked because of obviously Alexis and things, how they were going. But he he doesn't I, – I didn't think he got the credit last year or maybe even some of the year before that he should have. But he – defensively, he helps us a lot. But going forward, he's not the guy that's going to get to the end line and put that ball into the box. Kolasinac can give us that. He can play an early cross into the box. Bellerin can get to the line. He can't put a fucking cross into the box. Gibbs was the same thing. Um Maitland-Niles, we saw that, yes, I know he's not left-footed, but listen, in today's game, he's not the only one that's playing on the opposite side. Okay, Robin, Ribéry do it. Yes, they're further up but the we, field, but, but they ha- cut inside. 
but we did have left-handed player, uh, left-footed players Correct. that could play in that position. That that, that, that was the frustrating thing. Maitland Niles, if he's going to be one of his first Premier League starts at West Ham, which I thought was, as you said beforehand, was going to be a five-nil, put him in a position he's going to be. Um, not a natural position. It's a typical Wenger thing to do. Uh, he's done it to absolutely nearly every player we've got. Uh, let's watch your natural position. Let's play you somewhere different. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, it's a Wenger thing to do. He tends to do that with a lot of players. And I feel like he's still holding on to the fact that he did that with Henri, and we know how everything turned out with Henri. And I feel like he is insisting on doing that with many other players and at times he frustrates them more than he helps them but i'll tell you one thing i personally think that maitland niles is better defensively than bellerin is i watched him against newcastle i watched him against west ham one-on-one defensively he is outstanding not only his he would you drop bellerin and put him on there and then have colossus on the other side I thought about that, to be honest with you. As I was watching it, I think that defensively he's better. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the right-hand side. Wenger himself said it defensively one-on-one. He's one of the strongest that we have. He would be on his right, <coughs> right-hand right side where he's naturally on his right foot. Um, he's able to cut inside if needed. He did that uh, against Newcastle. Um, so play. why not play Kolasinac on the left, play Maitland-Niles on the right? Again, the what, do, what do you make of uh, Kolasniak? You, you, he must be injured. I, I, I saw some stuff on Sky Sports, and um, uh, Ramsey will be back in January, uh, but Kolasniak and Mustafi are back and available in training. Do you think he was injured, or just a niggle, or? I'm. I mean, I'm hopeful that he's sick or has a knock or something because I'm. I'm hoping that this doesn't turn into one of those situations that Wenger did with um, Lucas Perez. He did with uh, Joel Campbell. You know. Not even so much Lacazette, but one of those things where you know he he grows. It seems to he grows frustrated with the player, and then he kind of pushes him out of the squad. I would hope that's not the case because Kolasinac has done well since he started since he joined the club. And, and, he, and, and, and what reason would he have to be frustrated with the guy? The guy I've not seen the guy put a foot wrong yet. Correct, and he went to go sign him. Right, he signed him. He came on a free. Uh, I mean, it would look extremely bad on his part if that was the case. And again, he hasn't really done anything that would warrant uh, Wenger being frustrated with him. But I, I had saved a tweet from this weekend um, that I wanted to talk about. I was going to mention it later on, but I think it's a good time to mention it. Is uh, let's talk Arsenal. Um, tweeted. Um, Lacazette managed to score 31 goals in the final 20 minutes of games in the French League with Lyon. Um, someone please show this stat to Mr. Wenger. So, <clears throat> North wow. Bank, which is imp- imp- impressive stat. I mean, 31 goals in the final 20, uh, 20 minutes of a game is uh, and, he nor- and he normally for, for Lyon played the full 90, didn't he, as well? Yeah. I mean, he was their main guy. So, then uh, North Bank Natum, um, at North Bank Natum, retweeted it and said he also got a winter break every season, which he hasn't got this year. So perhaps the staff are helping him last the full season as he adapts to life in England. Leave the management to those who call upon a lifetime of experience in football rather than Twitter. So it, uh, it, it made I, me I, think I, a little bit. <laughs> 
I, I, I get, listen, we're on social media, we're here doing this sort of thing. So like now we've all got opinions and, and I do understand where North Bank, did you say his name was, is, is coming from. But, but, you know, winter break isn't now until uh, over the Christmas or early January period. He hasn't played a full 90 minutes yet in the in the league. It's a different league, but... Uh, he has you know, played 90 he, in the league already. Has he played? But not often. No, I think he's played 90 uh, twice or three times, but he's, he's definitely played 90 in the league. But for the most part, he's come off in the 69th, 70th, 75th minute, 80th minute. Um, and I know that Arsenal Fan TV had actually posted a tweet on um, the times that he had been subbed off since he's been at Arsenal. But, um, I mean, it's it, realistically, it made me think. Um, I mean, they have a point, and the, you know just as much as I know and everyone else listening that in England, it's a grueling, grueling winter period. Um, I mean, the games are it's coming thick and fast. Game after game. As, yeah. a, as a fan, I'll tell you what, I am absolutely I love it. Going, it's my favorite. Days. It's my favorite time of the year, just because. Um, I mean, you got you got footy on every 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 couple of days. So, I mean, we played Saturday, we played Tuesday. We play Friday. I mean, it's just – it's coming thick and fast, right? And it's not – Cost not a fortune. League. It's not a league that isn't um, – you know, doesn't really take the most out of you, right? You think about maybe the, the Spanish league, maybe the Portuguese league, maybe the Italian league. It's – you know, you have maybe that top three or four, and then the other teams are, you know, a big difference and – the the demand of the full ninety minutes maybe isn't as grueling as it might be in England. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd actually disagree with you there. I think uh, a few years ago, yeah, I'd agree. But nowadays, you've got like if you go back, we talk about the Invincibles and 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 talk about Man City with the Invincibles uh, possibility for them. Um, if if Man City become invincible, I think it'll probably be a better. Uh, achievement than what Arsenal done, simply because of the competitions in the league. If you look at the, 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 the there was Man United and possibly an emerging Chelsea when we when we went unbeaten for the season, but the lower league teams were crap. Now with the new TV deal, um, they've all got like superstar players and they're all really really good players in there. So the lower sides are better than they would have been uh, 2004 than they are now um, and the there is a bigger element of you know there's the, the, the five six teams there was five teams challenging city and you know including uh, plus burnley um so there's six or seven teams there uh, fergus i think i think you're still hung over from saturday because that's exactly what i was just talking about <laughs> either that or you mis misunderstood me <laughs> Um, okay. So basically, I, I, I told I told I told you it's tough being a fan in the winter. <laughs> so basically, I was saying, like the from top to bottom, it's demanding, right? Every match that you go into, it's not, you know, you can't, you don't have a match. Maybe like, uh, you know, Barcelona plays last place and comes away with a six six nil win, um, and it's not very 
difficult fixture, right? They they can maybe make some changes. I've seen some matches this season where Messi started on the bench. So it's it's a different type of, of league. It's a different type of football. He's coming from France where, again, wasn't really that demanding. You had PSG basically running away with it. Monaco lost a lot of players. But apart from the top two or three, you know, he didn't have to go to Stoke on a away match in the winter, right, on a rainy day. So, um, a wet Wednesday, a wet Wednesday in Wigan, as they say. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking at his stats here. He's played 90 minutes twice. Um, I get it. I mean, maybe that's what they're looking for, or, you know, maybe trying to help him get through the rest of the season, um, without burning him out too early. Um, maybe that's what they're doing with Kolasinac. I mean, apart from that, I haven't seen anything that he was hurt. I haven't seen anything that he was sick. So that's really the only thing that I'm hopeful is the case. Um, but if he's on the bench, to me, that tells me he's fit and ready to go. So it's a tough one. But, I mean, again, and we kind of just went off off a tangent here, but going back to the Maitland-Niles at left back, I, I don't think it's something that he should be doing very often. I wouldn't – I would hope that he's not going to be there on Friday against Liverpool. Um, no, Golden. But <laughs> – but if you're going to play him out of position, I'd rather see him on the right-hand side um, than on the left. But again, I don't. It, it would have to. It, Bellerin would have to get injured or sick for Wenger to drop him. I think. Maybe we could send him some lasagna. We know a good guy does good lasagna. <laughs> um, what, what did you make of Ozil and Jack playing together on the pitch? Um, did you? I, they almost clashed to a certain degree. Do you think or not? Yeah, I think it just it's going to take some <clears throat> some understanding with them. I don't playing you never practice at the same level that you play. Um and obviously you're playing against each other and and to an extent it's, you know, prepared ahead of time and just working on certain things, but it, they're going to have to make an adjustment. Jack likes to get the ball. Um Ozil as of late has been really dropping deep to get the ball. So it's going to be a learning curve for the two of them to figure out, you know, who's going to come out of the back with the ball at their feet. Um, when are they going to do it? Are they going to switch it off? Uh, vice versa. So, yeah, there was a couple times where they were kind of standing next to each other. Um, didn't really seem certain as to who the hell should, you know, coordinate the play coming out of the back. But they seem to look better <clears throat> doing it against Newcastle. Game. Newcastle, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that. I was going to let you finish your, your bit, but yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, they looked a lot better. Um, and, I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed, Jack stays fit, can keep getting a run out in the match or in the team and um, can improve that uh, partnership with Ozil because it seems, according to rumors, that maybe that partnership might be something for the future. We don't know yet, but... Uh, oh, yeah, there's been stuff going around yesterday. We, we had a text conversation, was it yesterday, the day before, that um, uh, Ozil apparently signed a new contract for something like 300 grand a week. Um, I don't know how true it is, but that would mean the exit of probably Sanchez. And I think among a lot of the fan base, I think uh, that wouldn't go down too badly if we could secure uh, Ozil and uh, possibly lose Sanchez. I don't think anybody would like to lose him to City because I, giving it to, I say a rival, but they're running away with it. But there's always next season and season afterwards and so on. But um, yeah, do you do you see Sanchez making the start in eleven at, at City if he was to go there? Um, 
Pep likes to mix and match, and he tends to look at. And I apologize, Santi's been sick, so he's a little bit fussy. But um, the Pep likes to mix and match, and I could see him. I mean, he would obviously have to earn a spot, and he's up against Sterling, who I don't think is better than Alexis, but has been playing well. Um, he's in form, isn't he? Yeah, and Sané, who I don't think is better than Alexis, but again, he's he's been playing well. He's he's in the system. He understands it. So, sure, Pep's been with Alexis when he was at Barcelona, but it's a different style. It's a different league, different approach. So, I'd I'd rather him not have to be in that discussion because I'd rather them get rid of him and send him somewhere outside of the EPL. But yeah, unfortunately, I think we need to take what we can. But. Um, <clears throat> I didn't. Looking back at the um, the West Ham game, I see on your notes here. You see uh, Peter Cech almost fucked it all up. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the 65th minute, I remember I was sitting in the audit and I happened to look at my screen and I nearly fell out of my seat when Cech went to punch that ball and completely missed it. And Arnautovic, I believe, was the one that shot it and he mishit it. And was it Monreal that took it off the line? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleared it off the line. Yeah. But it looks like the the official called a foul. Uh, I, I don't recall. I remember Monreal clearing off the line. I just remember it, I was cold. <laughs> it's. It, it was I'm almost cold. positive he called a foul because, if I'm not mistaken, Cassiani ran into Peter. No, did, it, did, it, did it not go out for? Did it not go out of play or did? I think it went off for a corner kick, but I thought yeah. that they had called a foul. But either way, I mean, if the ref didn't call a foul, which I thought he did, um, Peter Cech got bailed out by Monreal and the fact that Arnautovic didn't hit it clean because, I mean, he had the net at his mercy. But what the fuck was he doing? I mean, by himself, he ran into his own player. And why does he punch that ball? I mean, why doesn't he just come out and grab it? I don't know what the hell he was thinking. He ne- but he, he never grabs a ball. He always punches everything. He he, he, he done that a few times against uh, uh, West Ham. He just he, he punches away clearances and punches them to the side. Yeah, that's fine if you're under a bit of pressure. But like if you've got some time, if you catch the ball, you can slow down play a little bit and you can control and release the ball out to your other players and, and play out from the back. But not uh, Mr. Peter Cech. Mind you, actually, that leads on to uh, a little bit um, touching on. We had a, a comment made on uh, the Facebook page by Linda. Uh, Linda Collins, I think it is. Uh, I've got it on my notes for the West Ham game. Um and she was saying, is Czech up to it? Is, is he all that anymore? What do you make? Yeah, I saw the <clears throat> the message she had posted, and it's a valid discussion to be had. I mean, he's – there's different breeds of keepers, right? I mean, you got guys like Buffon who – Sorry. Sorry, it was Linda Colley. So you got, you got guys like Buffon who's, what, 40, 41, something like that, um, still playing at the top of his game, still – reliable um you had guys like van der sar who played uh, till he was 40 or 41 something like that again reliable Lehman dependable this was about 36 37 didn't he yeah and i mean peter check just he's he's hit or miss i mean he's had i mean he was my positive i believe it was against burnley if i'm not mistaken and he's capable yeah. of of making some outstanding saves but then he comes up with moments like this and you you wonder I mean, why the hell did we get rid of Chesney, right? Chesney was capable of the same thing. He was capable of being brilliant, and then he was capable of shooting himself in the foot. But, I mean, if you look at it, 
is he makes interested? less money. That's the thing, is right? Is is he? That's the question that that I, I guess it's a valid question that she makes. Is is he is he the guy to carry us forward? And <clears throat> I don't he know if he's consistent enough. And if anything goes down to his left, he struggles at. He done it again against Newcastle. I, I've got notes that, that he he pushes it around the edge of the edge of the post, where he doesn't really need to. But he really struggled even to get there. I don't think he's been the same keeper since he had a bang as a head at, uh, at Chelsea. And I know we beaten Chelsea while Czech was in goal um, a couple of times after the bang in his head. Yeah, he just seems. Uh, I know we talk about Murdasaker and how he looks very sluggish, um, almost like a machine with no oil. Um, Czech at times looks like that. He looks like an old guy who has arthritis and and can't move his legs. Can't you know? It takes him a little bit to get warmed up. And <clears throat> and I don't I don't think he's vocal enough. So well, he's definitely not vocal enough with our back three or four. Anyway, uh, man of the match um, by the West Ham uh, announcer, and it was all over the screen and stuff. But um, watching Adrian in the last five, ten minutes of the game, he was, Adrian was at our end, at the away end, um, and he was uh, shouting at his uh, back four or five, move out, move up, push up, and he was just continually marshalling. I don't see Petr doing that. He doesn't, and I mean, I guess that also comes from the fact that our captain doesn't do it either, nor does our manager, um, which is surprising because when you look back at the times of uh, Patrick Vieira, Tony Adams, um, those guys, Jens Lehmann, uh, Martin Keown, those guys would they didn't care if they weren't if they didn't have the captain's armband on their arm or not, they would give you an earful. Um, exactly, and. With this team, over the last maybe decade, we've lacked someone that does that. And I was hopeful that Peter Cech would be that guy, given his experience. Um, he's been there. He's won things. But he's not. He's not. Cassiani's not. Murder Soccer was at times. Um, but he's not the guy. And I was – you would think that with Jens Lehmann and the coaching staff now that he would kind of talk to Peter Cech and kind of give him that – energy that he had on the pitch i mean he didn't care who the hell it was he would fucking yell at you he would kick you <laughs> the if he had to he didn't care i mean he was just a no nonsense no bullshit type of guy which realistically we need um and we don't have so it's a tough it's a fine line with peter check i mean again he's he's capable of doing great things but he's also capable of shooting himself in the foot he did it a couple times last year um he's shown some moments of of nervousness oh, he, he, he can be a great keeper at times, but it's just the inconsistency. Uh, and for that inconsistency, uh, easy for me to say, um, <laughs> it would <laughs> would it be just as easy to keep uh, Chesney, who actually, if you look at Jack and look at uh, some of the youth players that come through, who actually have Arsenal in their heart, and they, they, they look like they give a shit. And for me, giving a shit means a lot. Like we, You go back to the Man United game, lose 3-1 but we looked like we gave it everything yeah. and we, we all went yeah we lost but 
we tried and I think you want to see players doing that and Peter Cech doesn't necessarily look like he tries hard I don't think he doesn't not try I think he's an ultimate professional but I would probably prefer Chesney in his place trying and not smoking a cigarette <laughs> yeah I think after uh, I think once Wenger's gone I think Chesney's going to be a keeper that ends up coming back to Arsenal ends up being our number one oh, for a I'd while. Like that. I'd like that. They're going to cost think, us a fortune. Yeah, I mean, considering we sold him for thirteen million, hopefully Wenger put one of those fine print notes in there that says we can get him back for, you know, a couple of pies and a couple of pints. Did you see those pies? I did. I saw that sign you showed me, and none of them really. I recall <laughs> None of them looked appealing. Hey guys, listen, England uh, and uh, Irish and Europeans, what's a leak? I have to describe what a leak is. <laughs> but then again, you might have to describe to me what a zucchini is or exactly. uh, stuff like that. So it's just and I don't, even, I don't even eat that. So, I mean, when I saw the, uh, I looked through the list and I was like, all right, maybe I'll try one of these. And the only one that looked appealing to me was the Vieira one. And it seemed like vegetables that I would eat. Everything else, there was something in it that raised a red I've flag had, for me. I've had a Tony Adams, which is the steak and ale pie that's really nice um i had a paddy gillian pie uh, at the weekend and that's uh, a steak and guinness pie i'm irish so it's obligatory um theo walcott um you know it, it promised it was quite a promising pie but it failed to deliver in the end so it was <laughs> <laughs> no, that's appropriate <laughs> <laughs> no, <sorry. laughs> uh, it, 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 <laughs> the Theo up pie was a chicken vaulty pie. It was the only one we had left one night when it was um, at uh, the Cologne game, I think it was. And uh, it, it was actually quite nice. I, I wouldn't normally choose a chicken vaulty pie, but it was either that or vegetarian. And I'm Irish, I'm a man, I don't do vegetables that much. <laughs> Yeah, neither uh, do I, we but leave... I'll, I'll have to try it when I go over there. Yeah, 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 yeah we definitely do. It, it was, um, I had pie, mash, and gravy, which I'm getting a lot of stick for having gravy on a pie. But, like, you know, um, oh, I, I don't like that liquor stuff. Oh, <laughs> liquor's like a, a parsley sauce. It's, um, we don't, we've done well. It's like a parsley sauce. It's like a, a cleary white sauce, um, and it goes over your pies. So it doesn't sound. Appealing. I've not tried it, but it just doesn't sound appealing. Yeah, and it no. doesn't look right. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was it was eight pound for a pie and mash and gravy, and then I had a little Camden lager, which is a craft beer, um, and the whole thing come twelve quid. It wasn't too bad considering. Honestly, West Ham actually. West Ham. Um, we'll talk about Kosielny and his cock up to finish that one off in a second but the stadium okay the stadium the Olympic Stadium I was there for the Olympic Games I was there for the Paralympic Games um, and where they, they they place the away fans is where if you can remember from the uh, London 2012 where the um, the Olympic torch was towards the end by one of the screens that's the end where uh, trying to the fans closer to the game and they've built temporary seating at either cop end to pull uh, the fans in. But there's a gap that's got to be... Jesus, it's got to be... Uh, well, it's equal to the the, the, the the amount of seats that are um, on a lower tier. So it, it's got to be 
50, uh, 30 seats, 40 seats deep, the gap between the concourse and the start of the uh, lower tier away fans. And for the first half, I was in the upper tier. Um, and uh, when we were singing, uh, we couldn't hear any of our own fans in the lower tier. So there's a completely <laughs> dis- disconnect there. And that was, that was, tr- I can imagine um, some German uh, or European fan, uh, fans having a drummer there and getting the top talk to the bottom and stuff like that. But English fans aren't, aren't, aren't that way. But it just was totally disconnected. And added to that, on the right-hand side is where the uh, flame would have been and where the TV screens are. Uh, there was a huge gap between the home fans and the away fans. And on the left-hand side, there was a service tunnel. And there was no connect between the home fans and the away fans. So there was no atmosphere or needle building among them. If you go down to the clock end at the Emirates, as much as it can be told as it's like the Highbury Library or whatever, um, there is still a bit of like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, yeah, and all, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and it, it's just laid out incorrectly. The, the If they had flipped it down the other end in their equivalent of their North Bank, they're like the opposite end, they could have been closer together. And I think that would build a better atmosphere. But the quality of the food, as we were talking about food, was absolute. Pies were brilliant. They served Amstel beer rather than that crap we serve. Um, <laughs> we serve we serve Carlsberg and it's oh, uh, it's dishwater. It's no dishwater. No, it, it's not good. It's not cold. It serves slow <laughs> and it's nearly five pound a pint. Um, I got a pint a pint at the, at the West Ham Stadium, at the London Stadium. It was eight pound fifty. Some guy came in when I, I, second half, I went down to the lower tier. And while in the lower tier, some guy comes in beside me and um, he's got what can only be, excuse my uh, my uh, use here, like a horse's dick <laughs> in a bread roll. He's got this like two foot long <laughs> sausage thing. And uh, it looked amazing. The taste, it looked like it tasted really tasty and everything else. It was some hot dog and it was five pounds. If you bought that at the Emirates, you'd have to have a mortgage. Jesus, have you, sounds like a. Um, have you ever been to Fenway Park here? I, I've been to Fenway. Um, I went to the Bleachers Bar, uh, and they had the the garage door open because there was there was no uh, uh, there was no game going on. I, you could look through. I'll, I'll send you a picture later, my profile picture of, of me outside the Fenway. Um, I'd already been to Boston Common, been to the Cheers Bar, been to the Poor House, been to the Whiskey Pot, been to the Solace Star, but we had started off watching. Well, actually, we started off in my brother's kitchen in Newton um, <laughs> at, at 9 a.m. on two dosa keys. Um, bearing in mind, I didn't go to <laughs> I didn't go to bed till 1:30 in the morning. So, by the time I got in an Uber to get it down to Lear to watch Arsenal get beaten by Swansea, um, and I, I remember when I was pissing down with rain, it was a it was a 11 a.m. Boston time kickoff yep. on a Sunday. Um, yeah. I was in the Lear and watched that, and uh, I was pissed before I got there, honestly. And we 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 had, we had some Guinnesses in the Lear upstairs, some sliders, and then my wife, she was shattered. She she went back home and. Me and my brother went on a on a crawl, but yeah, we ended up in the Fenway, um, 
and it was open. The lady, the lady had uh, there was a service gate open, and I ended up getting some video footage, and she was really nice. She she took the the phone and took some video footage. I was in my Arsenal uh, hoodie and everything else, and she was hi hi. Some guy in a suit turned up, and she went, "No, get back, get back." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like the the sausage you're talking about sounds like a Fenway Frank. They uh, Fenway Frank, okay. Yeah, they're pretty pretty popular. They look they're they're about maybe 16 inches long it's i mean the bread's not big enough for it <laughs> yeah 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 that's the thing. exactly the same. not it's not a thick sausage but it's long yeah yep henry yeah. frank similar so to um let's move on because we get in trouble otherwise <laughs> to uh close close off the west ham draw um that nightmare in the 89th minute holy shit what was that I don't. He, 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 he puts the ball across the box. He, he doesn't put it to anybody. We are straight. Um, he gives it away, and then uh, just Hernandez gets the ball. He's got loads of space. I don't know who left him. I think it was a Shaka left him loads of space as well. Uh, and here's the underside of the bar. I thought it was a goal. I thought, oh fuck. Yeah. The. I mean, Cassiani's ball across the box or attempt a ball across the box is a nightmare. Um, they seem to have dealt with it. Bellerin slid back, um, got a, a toe to the ball, and Monreal seemed a bit that confused. That was it, yeah. was Bellerin, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then if you watch it, when West Ham gets that ball back, Chicharito runs right by Bellerin, and he literally just stands still. He doesn't even move his feet. He watches him run right by him, and they play the ball inside to him. And fortunately, hits the crossbar. But I mean, it all started obviously with a poor decision from Cassiani. But uh, it could have been avoided once we actually got the ball um, and then gave it away again. And then mentally, we just turned off again. So <clears throat> yes, we had some chances in the in the game. Again, uh, Jack Wilshere had that chance that Giroud headed the ball back to him. He put it over the net. Um, it will be hit the post. Um, I thought that for the most part, I mean, we, we had some moments where we, we got the ball up the field. We just Sanchez got close to the post of where we hit the bar as well. So yeah, there's, yes. I mean, we had nothing crazy, but I mean, we, we did enough to at least get a goal. Um, but huge let off for West Ham. They could have grabbed all three points with a minute left to play, um, which would have been a huge blow for Arsenal and would have been interesting to see. And in, in fairness, it, it, it's quite strange looking at, I used the BBC just as, the, as a, a barometer for stats. We had 70% possession versus their 30. We had 22 shots on goal. They had six. We had three on target. And the BBC is saying they had none on target. Yet again, they hit the underside of the bar and have an offside goal. Aren't they on target? So it's it's a weird stat, but any shots that hit the frame, so the post, the crossbar, don't count as a shot on target. Don't ask me how the hell that makes sense, but uh, okay, <laughs> it's not considered a shot on target, which confuses me because obviously it hit the goddamn target. It just didn't yeah, just just not it, it just the inside. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, they don't consider it a shot on target. <laughs> Okay, now I know that. So I've learned something to, today. <laughs> just to go off the stats that you mentioned, uh, I saw something this weekend on Twitter that I think Arsenal scored three goals from their last 89 shots or something like that, which is concerning, <laughs> to say the least. It, it, we just can't, we, we can't finish nothing. And If you go at stats and looking at number of stats, 
let's look at Sanchez. He must have had nearly a hundred misplaced passes in three or four games. Yeah, and yeah, I mean he's been he's been frustrating to say the least. But mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I saw someone on Twitter that said, you know, he's misplacing so many passes because he's the only one that's willing to make those. Um, difficult passes in the final third which in a sense what, 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 that's absolute bullshit what, a flick off his back heel to yeah we'll get newcastle come up in a second there's one he puts in in newcastle uh i think it comes off but it's a back heel again and it comes to a player why just fucking pass the thing there's no need to back heel and make it all look oh, oh yeah i'm south american wow oh, look at me i'm brilliant <laughs> so oh, jesus um look, listen we'll finish up on west ham match positives um, my match positive, I would probably have to say Maitland Niles. Just he was thrown into the deep end in a position that's not very familiar for him on his weaker foot. And I mean, I think he did enough. He looked positive on the ball. I think he did enough to uh, to I guess warrant him another opportunity. But again, I'd I'd prefer it be on the opposite side than on the left-hand side, or if he's going to play at least further up the field, um, which is a possibility against West Ham on Tuesday. My um, match positive was 90 minutes for Jack. I thought it was really good for Jack to get 90 minutes. Um, I did uh, think Maitland-Niles as well, but because he was being played out of position and the way he struggled sometimes, and this isn't a criticism of him, it's a criticism of uh, more the tactics of the manager. Um, where he struggled to get it, he had to take uh, the ball back on his foot and switch it around to try and get get his body position to cross a ball. Uh, otherwise, I would have gone Maitland Niles. My match negative uh, follows on from that is the lack of crosses, considering we had the big man in the in the middle. Um, yeah, I'm going to disagree with. I mean, it's your negative, so I'm, uh, that's fine. But I'm going dis- to. I think we had some crosses in there. I think just from my notes. Um, I had uh, maybe three or four crosses that just Maitland Niles put in. One, uh, two, three, four. No, four. Yeah, four. Just just from my notes, yeah, four crosses. Like <laughs> <laughs> four crosses from, and only of the four, only one of them connected. Giroud is the one that headed it back to, to Jack Wilshire, or. Two, one went up for a corner, and then the other one that he headed back to Jack Wilshire. So, I think there was there's crosses, and I think at times the perception is the ball's not getting there, and the ball is. It's just the service is shit. Um, and again, like I said, a few of those went over Giroud's head, whether they were overhit or they were misjudged. Um, it's difficult, really, when it's that close for us to specify, you know, for us to be able to pinpoint because we're not on the field. But my negative would be. Um, <coughs> Kosciani and Peter Cech. Um We've talked about it in the past. Yeah, I've given them props and credit when they've needed it, but they could have thrown that game away. And I'm going to actually throw Bellerin into the mix as well. Um, they've just so the defense, defense basically. Yeah, I mean it's just been we were stellar. You know, locking things down, not conceding goals, and and I saw a stat like we've we've 
had like nine clean sheets or I don't even know how many this season, but sure we have clean sheets, but look where we are in the state, the league standings, right? Like I don't care if we, I'd rather score, I'd rather concede five and score six and be in first than to have fucking the most clean sheets in the league and be seventh or whatever the hell we are at this point. So well, well, at this point of the game, this, the, the point of the game finished that we're seventh and I actually did post post up uh, on Arsenal fans forum. But, um, time to question the manager's position and so on which is a debate I think we should hold off on that one um, yeah I agree it's too early well not too early but it's not the time to have that discussion I, I, I think halfway through the season um, after the Liverpool game we're halfway there maybe it's something for, for some festive cheer hey eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah so that's my so, negative so let's move on to uh, so uh, we move on to Arsenal versus Newcastle the Arsenal foundation game where the players and the management uh, give their um, they give their their wages to the uh, Arsenal Foundation which does a lot of good things it does the Willow Project and so on uh, which is a very noble thing to do every every year um, but we're back to a back four and Maitland Niles is on the left again yep and um, um, he- Hector has got his you know his first name on the sheet yeah, and I was, again, left scratching my head at the fact that we have Kolasinac uh, on the bench again, and we have Maitland-Niles playing out of position. And the only thing that I can think of is... Kolasinac can't be injured. If he's on the bench, he's, he must be fit to start. Correct. And the only thing that I can think of is maybe he's looking to use Maitland-Niles' pace down that line. But, again, does... Does the pace outweigh everything else only, that Kolasinac can only, offer us? I can only think that he's blooding him in the um, in the league against, with, without being too disrespectful, but I am being, against lesser teams like Newcastle uh, and West Ham, where against Liverpool and Chelsea coming up shortly, I would expect Kolasinac to be straight back into the starting eleven. But why are we going to experiment in the league, right? Like, let's experiment at home against uh, fucking Huddersfield. West Ham? West Ham in the Caribou Cup? But let's, that's what I mean. Like, if we want to experiment and give players rest in the league, why not do it in a home match? I'd rather us do some rotating in a match at home where I think the players will be more comfortable. This game is at home, so Maitland Niles getting the Correct. But at West Ham, like, there's no... Why would you put him... Especially in a match that West Ham's coming off the fact that they just beat Chelsea at home. Right? They're down the relegation zone. They got a new manager. They just beat Chelsea at home. Who's next? Arsenal. You know they are fucking dying to go for that game. And you're going to experiment with stupid shit like that? Like, why not do it in a game at home against Newcastle, who's not done well away from home? Um, They seem to have all sorts of issues in the back room uh, with Mike Ashley trying to get rid of the club. He's not happy with the amount of money that they're offering. Um, It looks like they're going to settle on, I think, about about 300 million. Yeah, it might be $400 million, would it be? I saw 400 million pounds, and I know that he paid something like 150 million pounds for them. So that's a pretty uh, good payday for him. Yeah. 
Um, and all, all that advertising around the Sports Direct Stadium. Yeah. I didn't know that he owned them, to be honest. I had done some research on him over the weekend, and I realized that he owned Sports Direct. Yeah, he owns Sports Direct, and Sports Direct uh, own a lot of some of the old names like Slazenger and um, Everlast and some so, some of the uh, the brand names that you'd know from, well, I'd know from when I'm younger. You're a bit younger than me, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so some some, and and they have a, a strange marketing way that will come along. Everything will look like it's seventy eighty percent off, but it's not really. It's just branded that way. That it looks like heavily discounted, but it's just the way they sell it. They're selling it for normal price, but you think you get eighty percent off. Yeah. What did you think of the the first half? Um, there's only one thing to talk about well, in the first half, really. Well, hold on. How, I mean, you probably weren't very sober to begin with, so this will be interesting to see what we thought. Yeah, well, I did meet up with, with the, the Arsenal Fans Forum had their Christmas drinks, and there was uh, Danny Wilkins, there was Bill Bradford, uh, Rob Gray. Did uh, Controversial uh, Manny make it? Uh, no, Controversial Manny didn't make it because he's a lightweight. <laughs> um, uh. And yeah, so we, we, he, he can respond in the comments later. Uh, we had some of the guys from the Bristol Gooners there. And um, uh, Linda Collie, who I mentioned earlier about the Peter Czech um, thing, I bumped into her. It's, it's really strange and shows how much a small world it is. The lady lives eight hours away by car, eight, nine hours away by car in Scotland. Uh, come down with our partner. Um, to to watch the game weekend on, to be honest, is a little bit vague because it was after the game. <laughs> I bump into them back in the George after the game, and I'm chatting to them, and I say, "Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah," and why don't you try uh, Guns and Yellow Ribbons? And she joined onto the podcast, I joined onto the the Facebook group, and uh, she made a comment about um, what we should debate and the, the check thing. Uh, we also had uh, who mentioned about the Venga one? Can you remember who that was? They deserve a uh, shout out. I'm not sure. I can check right now though. But, but yeah, yeah, we, we were. But but Linda's making some comments back and forth, and a friend of my wife's, a good friend of my family, um, comes on and goes, "Hey, Fergus, I can't believe it! You're talking to my cousin. Jesus, really? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, none of us knew." anything and it was like uh, linda comes along and goes hey i was talking to Ferguson and the george i said oh jesus this is <laughs> so it's just a, it's just a small world yeah. um but yeah well, I, it was a early uh, half 10 got down to holloway road for uh round 11 ish and we took a walk up to pieberry corner and you saw the post about uh my my um my pie had a pie and a beer and then went round to George. So I was in the George for about half past 11. Um, bearing in mind, I was meant to get in there for half 12, quarter to one was the original time. By that stage, I'm about four pints in. <laughs> um, I'll buy a round of drinks at one point for some of the guys. I end up ordering 12 Zambucas and three lagers. one pounds. Wow. That's cheap. <laughs> That's cheap? 61 pounds for how many? 12 Zambucas? And three pints. I mean, in Boston, you're looking at just for a shot. It's about ten to fifteen dollars each. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you got to like London. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 so we 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 left we left. Uh, 
we, we, we left the George about half two and went over to um, the stadium and had a beer in the stadium, shit beer, and then got into our seats. And to be honest, I spent most of the time on games like that. I'm just singing and getting behind the team and stuff like that. And I'm normally record the game and try and watch more finer detail of it. Uh, but yeah, no, it was, it, it, it was quite a good atmosphere. Uh, but 22 minutes in, he went nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yeah, the, uh, the, um, the play itself was... was the build-up was amazing. Jack Wiltshire, Wolby, uh, it was just... Sanchez, as much as he came into, into criticism... He fought for that ball to lay it back off to Ozil, and uh, <laughs> Ozil, how can you do that? Wow. Well, he doesn't. I was a bit confused because it seems like a lot of people were thinking that Alexis Sanchez actually heads the ball back, but he doesn't. The well, defender, he, he puts, the, he, but the he puts him under does, pressure. But, yeah, yeah, correct. So, but, I mean, most, and the defender wouldn't wouldn't have done that without Sanchez correct. putting. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times they would have just—he probably would have just watched the guy try to head the ball out. But the fact that he put the pressure on him allowed Ozil to anticipate what he was going to do, and fortunately he ended up in the right spot at the right time. And uh, that goal reminded me—he wasn't in the right spot. He was about four. Yeah, but he steps. But he anticipated it well. Looking forwards and sticks his leg out and hooks it around on the volley. Wow. Reminded me of a. Do you remember that volley that Zidane had in the Champions League? I believe it was. Uh, I think it's been mentioned a few times on on talk uh, shite. (laughs) I think it was. He was playing for Real Madrid against uh, Bayer Leverkusen, I think it was. Um, Yeah, Champions League. Yeah. Yeah, the one. That one, the ball came from a lot higher, um, a lot more difficult technique but very similar style um sublime finish but i have a question for you leading into our gunner debate after don't let me forget about ozil but apart from that apart from that in terms of the newcastle game um i i thought that iwobi wasn't wasn't good i thought that first half we played well I thought that we pressured high. We made things really difficult for Newcastle to come out. They were sitting really deep, which the fact that they were sitting so deep and the fact that we were sitting so high, pressuring them high was making it difficult. And when they did break on the attack, they only had maybe three or four players to go. And then as soon as they lost that ball, there was a huge gap in between their defensive unit and their offensive unit, which allowed us to kind of run 30, 40 yards into space. Uh, again, making well, like Mecklen Niles at about the 12, 13 minute. That, that that was what a run. Yeah, when he picked the ball off. And, and, just, and again, he picked the ball off, went by one guy and had that shot, which I think was very good. Uh, for a player his age, normally they probably would have just tried to put their foot through it. He hit that low and hard, and you can tell he was trying to pick a, pick a spot. Unlucky that it just went wide. But I think if it's on target, uh, Elliot didn't look like he was going to be able to get to that. But no, no, again, I would have gone bottom corner. It, the thing that pissed me off was the fact that in that second half we looked to change the way we played a little bit i know that we still were high up the pitch um and i have a note that we looked fairly comfortable for most of the match apart from maybe the last 10 minutes but we last 10 minutes, we had been that wasteful throughout the start of the game where we should have scored two or three goals. Correct. Um, I thought we could come back and bite us on the arse. Um, what did you think of... Uh, 
atmosphere about 73 minutes when uh, Giroud came on because um, Laka came off and the whole stadium booed. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that they're booing Wenger and not Lacazette. <laughs> um, yes, 100%. Because okay. what happened is everybody, everybody booed and then everybody stopped and then everybody applauded Lacazette. So it was like a boo. We're not happy that you're doing it again. We knew it was coming. We could see it happening. As yep. soon as the board went up with Lacazette's number on there, it was boo. There was a bit of drew, 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 I think, from some people. But the North Bank especially was booing um, the tactic of taking... Lacazette off yet again and then uh, we applauded him and then we went la 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 for Giroud yeah he again it, it goes back to the conversation we just had about you know what's Wenger's mentality with it but he I didn't think he had a bad game but he also didn't have a great game he had a couple of plays where he had some pretty good link up play he had um, a couple of balls out wide to Alexis which I thought was pretty good he had that play that I can't remember what the hell it was I think it was Bellerin played the ball into him and he took it down bought himself some space got by the defender and, and shot it and it went way over the net and then the one that stands out for me was the the one that he that got. Was, that, that, that will be led by Hector Ozil, Lacazette, Sanchez, over the bar. Yeah. <laughs> and then the one that stands out for me with him is the one that he did get into the box, uh, almost essentially one-on-one with the keeper off to the right, and he tried to chip it over him. Given the way the game was going, 1-0, it's a tight game. You need that second goal. I would have preferred to see him put his foot through it. But again... That was that was 58 minutes. Laka lobs the keeper instead of passing to Sanchez, who was on the edge of the box, or shoot. Yeah, and not long those, afterwards. It's one of those situations where if it goes in, everyone's like, holy shit, that was amazing. But the fact that it didn't go in, you know, everyone's going to give him some criticism. So um, it pissed me off that he did it because again it didn't go in um i would have preferred to you make, put his foot through it though what you make of jack's positioning because i can see you've got a similar note to me at 73 74 minutes Giroud lays off to jack a shot low uh but at the keeper uh, i love his positioning and he looks more like a poacher um he just needs to improve on his finishing i think jack yeah and i think that'll come with confidence um but he's he, i mean he's never really been a goal scorer but it goes back to there was a I forgot who the hell it was. They were debating it. You know, what's Jack's best position? I believe it was on Sky Sports. And I posted a tweet about it. And, you know, some were saying that Jack's best position is, you know, a deep-lying playmaker. Others were saying he's better further up the field. And I I think he has an eye for those gaps that tend to pop up. Ramsey does similar things. He, he makes those late runs into the box. From... I was having this discussion with a guy called Martin at West Ham, um, who Jamie Golding introduced me to. And uh, he's from whole Scunthorpe sort of way. And we were talking about um, Jack in his best position. And we had the conversation last week and said about uh, whether Jack is a, I didn't see him as a number 10, which you did. And this Martin guy actually said as well, I said, oh, I'm surprised. I actually sounded like I really had a good opinion, but I just used all your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, I prefer him further up the field. And I guess given the way that Ozil's playing now, um, really dropping deep to pick up the ball and, and organize play. And 
I watched it closely in the Newcastle game. Shaka does a lot of that as well. Um, he, he really comes into the back line. And I, I watched a couple of times when Ozil didn't drop so deep to get the ball. He was pointing at whoever had the ball to get the ball to Shaka. Um, so between the two of them, I think we have <clears throat> enough there to free up Jack um, a little bit and let him roam and get forward because realistically we want him being that guy in the final 30 yards. Uh, he can pick a pass. He has the ability to you know keep the ball in tight spaces he's capable of playing you know a a quick one two um you know with Giroud or Lacazette and they did it a couple times during the match so again I like you said he he found himself in a great position I think the um the the finishing will come with a little bit of confidence and a little bit more time but I think that if he continues to get a run out, he will find some goals as as time goes on and he builds his confidence. I agree. What was um, your match positives then? So my match positive was uh, Maitland-Niles again. Um, I had a note here, better defensively than Bellerin. Um, playing out of position and not on his preferred side, I thought he did well. And I also wrote... Uh, you know, Wilshire looks good going forward. He he was looking to run at defenders, which is one of the positives that he brings to the team. Um, he did at times in the final, I'll probably say 15, 20 minutes to struggle with uh, man marking off the ball. He, he looked to be a little bit tired, which makes sense playing two matches. And I think there was a two and a half day time period in between. Um, so to be expected, but I had a note here that the match was in the, around the 80, 83rd minute, the, the game was calling for someone like El Nani or Coughlin to get in there, bring some fresh legs into that midfield. Um, and someone that can kind of break things up and, and do the dirty work for the final stretch of the match. Um, and yeah, he ended up taking they, were a, they were getting a hold of that at that point, weren't they? Yeah, and they ended up taking Alexis off, and, and I noticed that Newcastle's back line at that point was at midfield. So it goes to show how far off we had dropped. I would have preferred to see Alexis stay on and Shaka come off. I thought that he was struggling, or even Jack, one of them. But I guess I understand why he took Alexis off, and he basically put Coughlin in there to free up Shaka and Jack from the defensive duties per se, um, and just let Coughlin do that, let him chase the ball, and Wilshire and, and Shaka will be able to just sit in the hole and, and clean anything up that comes through there. But it was, you know, the final 10 minutes, we were we were really struggling to get a hold of the game. And it would have been nice to see maybe that substitution happen a little bit earlier, um, opposed to putting ourselves under pressure a couple times because they had a couple crosses into the box Um Iose Perez headed it wide. He was by himself. Bellerin watched him run by him. Um, so, again, they created some chances. Fortunately, nothing my, came of it. My, but my, my match positive was the Ozil goal and, again, Jack at another 90 minutes. My, yeah. my negative... <coughs> Uh, my negative man flu man um, <laughs> my, my negative was just the general lack of sub- substitution again and the booing uh, not necessarily the booing per se because I think it, it gave a message one to support lack of said and two to make sure the manager knows what's going on but uh, just the tactics I, I don't agree with taking lack of off I think he gets needs to get more 90 minutes under his belt 
Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see him be out there a little bit, a little bit longer, and in those crucial moments down the stretch, hopefully you can make a difference. But my negative was our inability to be clinical at this point in the this, the campaign. Um, we, like I said, we had we've scored I think three goals from something like 89 shots or our last 89 shots, which is quite concerning. Um, had we taken our chances in that match, which again, I thought we looked comfortable in those final 10 minutes don't look as much of an issue, but the fact that we couldn't score the damn goal and put that game out of reach made those 10 minutes become really frustrating. So I think if we go up two or three zero, like we should have those final 10 minutes. Yeah. Even if we're under a little bit of pressure, no one really talks about it because the game's out of reach. Um, we did our job. We were comfortable again for most of the match. We were the better side, most of the match, but the fact that we just couldn't put that damn ball in the net makes it look worse than realistically it was. But, um, that and, <clears throat> Shaka's inability to stay focused for the entire match. In the final 10 minutes, he made some terrible, terrible decisions um, trying to play the ball across um, the midfield, got picked off a couple of times. He ended up getting a yellow card um, for one of them, um, which was fortunate because had he had that guy, I can't remember who the hell it was. I think it was Joselu or something like that. If he had, he gotten away, um, he would have been running at our back line. Fortunately, he didn't. Um, but again, I think given his positioning, he needs to be able to stay focused for the entire 90 minutes and not have these mental lapses, which, as we've seen earlier in the season, has cost us some goals. Okay, well, that's those two games um, covered. Before we move on, I just want to make one note here. There was we talked about Peter Check in the first and against West Ham in the 91st minute, 94 minutes. Uh, 91st minute and 43 seconds. There's four minutes of added time. Peter Cech got the ball comfortably in the box. And there's four minutes of added time. And he fucking throws the ball out in a rush to the left-hand side. I can't remember the hell it was. And then we ended up kicking the ball long. Bellerin ended up being at the top of the, at the top of Newcastle's box. And we gave the ball away right back to them. 91st or basically a 92nd minute. You have two minutes to kill off. Yeah, and he fucking throws it out. Like, again, going back to someone of his age, someone of his experience, what the fuck are you doing? Every other goalie is going to take take that ball and just sit on it for 30 seconds, kill the clock, and then just send it down the pitch. Instead, the idiot fucking throws it out like we needed a goal. We're up 1-0 and we're under pressure. What the hell are you doing? That's Peter Cech for you. That's the end of my rant. <laughs> Your rant's over. Um, should we have a touch on this little debate? We've uh, we've been going quite a while again. Uh, we we seem to get into this these sort of things and just keep on talking and talking and talking. Um, so <laughs> we're going to touch on um, the change in the backroom staff. Uh, this was brought to us a couple of weeks ago on Twitter. Um, well, I think it was Herbie Gunner as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he was one of. He mentioned. He mentioned, uh, discuss a bit about um, the Dortmund guy, Miss Lennart, and um, a few other podcasts, and it makes a bit more sense to call them that. So we got um, a head of uh, head of scouting and a head of football relations, which is nothing like, and I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again, nothing like um, a director of football. I don't know a huge amount about them, um, but they chat from the from 
Dortmund has done quite well. You, you, you're, you're more into your European football, so I'll leave the uh, leave it over to you. <laughs> he, um, I mean, I don't know a, a whole lot of him, um, <clears throat> but I mean, reading up online, I, I've noticed that he's been uh, given credit for you know finding players or bringing players to, to Dortmund, such as Aubameyang and Lewandowski, Dembele, Kagawa. Um, and when you consider he's been up against Bayern Munich um, in the German league, uh, given the, the talent that he's been able to kind of bring into there and the amount, or I guess the budget that they have um, is I, I, quite uh, impressive to say the least. We can only hope now that, um, I mean, I would love to see him bring, you know, Obama Yang from Dortmund to uh to Arsenal, maybe in the January transfer window, or maybe next summer. That'd be nice. But uh, he, he does, he does have a tendency to he does have a tendency to find the more uh, again. I'm doing a bit of plagiarism here in the sense that I've heard this on some other debates. Um, he does seem to find uh, a lot of the 17 year old sort of 18 year old up and comings. Uh, and are they what we need? Are we not got enough of them in our squad already in our, in our academy? Do we need to go to the next level? Will, will, will um, Sven uh, be the answer to, to what we needed with David Dean gone, gone 10 years ago? Yeah, I think he'll be, <clears throat> I'm hopeful that he can, do or reproduce what David Dean did for us at the time that he was here. Interesting that you mentioned that because I had actually watched the documentary that you'd sent over about uh, Rocky Rowcastle and, and Ian Wright and David Dean was uh, mentioned there. He, he spoke a lot in that documentary and just, it made me think back on the amount of players that he brought in during his time there. Um, and the, not only the amount of players that he brought in, but the amount of players that he brought in that made a significant impact during their time at Arsenal. Um, I think that we haven't had someone like him since he left. I, I think it's, it's, it's not only we haven't had somebody like him. I don't think um, Arsene Wenger has had somebody that he can trust and go, I need Patrick Vieira, go get him for me, please. And that, that that's what David Dean used to do from before. Yeah, and, and hopefully uh, Sven can can bring that to the table with his wide array of, of experience. And to add to that, um, Raul Senlehi, the guy that's coming in from Barcelona, he had been there for 14 years. <clears throat> he was part of signing Neymar and Luis Suarez for Barcelona. So, I mean, this guy's been involved in some big cash deals he's been involved in big names i mean again he's been at barcelona for quite some time so you can just imagine the influence of us so that's what i was hopeful of i mean he was at barcelona when barcelona signed him from udinese um <clears throat> and back to the, the comment that i had made earlier that i didn't want to forget but here's a question for you so there's been a back and forth between Ozil and Alexis and the contract negotiations. And my hope was that, you know, maybe these changes in the back room are going to help them change their mind and, and get an understanding of, okay, we understand there's a project now, there's a purpose to, you know, what they're trying to achieve. And maybe it'll give us some comfort in terms of moving forward with the club. But on top of that, over the last maybe four weeks, um, I'd say about a month, month and a half, Ozil has really come into himself. Um, he's playing great football, maybe some of the best we've seen since he's been at the club. He's been very consistent. And 
it makes me wonder if with the whole controversy or the, the whole rumor aspect now of, you know, they're saying that he signed an extension till 2021. Um, did Sven have anything to do with that? Or is the fact that they gave him close to the money that he wanted made a difference? And if that's the case, if he's already signed the contract, they just haven't announced it yet. And that's kind of what's lifted him to put in the performances that he has. Why I think, did it take that? I think if he um, the rumors are out there and football politics is getting more political time after time after time to try and keep uh, the social media, use um, just the media in general to try and placate us fans and stop uh, podcasts and Twitter warriors and Facebook warriors uh, doing what they do. And, and there's so many journalists out there that have had an opinion. So I think if he has signed, if he had signed a contract, um, they would have released a statement. I think it's one of two things with Ozil. Um, I think um, Sven may have had an influence on there. Uh, likewise, Raul may have had an influence, but um, he's either decided and got the noises that, yeah, everything is going the right way and I'm going to stay because I'm not going to get a big signing elsewhere or else he's putting... That's honest. I, I, and I don't know which one is is more right than the other. So he's either putting himself in a shop window, or else he's resigned to the fact that um, people will not pay the money that he wants for him. And Arsenal will give him. He wanted two eighty, and the rumor is it's going to be three hundred. Yeah, and I also saw this morning. I don't know if there's any credibility to it, but I also saw that. Alexis turned down a 400 million pound offer. <laughs> 400 grand a week from China. Yeah, I saw oh, yeah. that. I saw that. Was it from China or from Arsenal? No, it was, it, it was in China. Oh, I didn't, I didn't actually click on it because I figured it was just clickbait, but I saw the headline. Yeah, yeah. I, I posted it this morning as well and it was in China, I believe. Oh, okay. Um, and any right-minded player, have four hundred grand in China, he can get four hundred grand anywhere he wants. He get that at City anyway. So yeah, yeah no, no right-minded player with any sort of. This is his last move for both players because they're on the not the decline, but you know they're, they're going to be on the wane from there on in just by by the nature of their ages. Yeah. So I mean, do you? So I guess, what is your opinion on um, these two backroom signings? Do you think they're going to help? How do you think they're going to help? What do you think? I think they're in place um, as a make way for um, the future. Uh, Wenger has got um, another year and a half left in his contract. Uh, I think if things don't go well against Liverpool and they hadn't gone well against uh, Tottenham and so on, like he could have been gone by this Christmas. Personally, I don't think he'll be here next season. Um, I think, uh, I, well, he might if he gets top four, but I think there's a, a good, strong chance that he might actually have a 12-month break in his contract that we don't know about and he'd step away. By which way, I think uh, Sven and Raul are there as the make way to get in a coach rather than having a manager that does everything that that, 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 that Wenger does. So I think they are the, the, the building blocks for the future of the club. I hope I hope that's the case. I just I can't help but laugh at the fact that you said that had results not gone the right way, 
maybe his job would have been in question around Christmas. I don't think he would ever get sacked. Um, I don't think he'd ever get sacked, but he'd be under such pressure by uh, fans. I don't know if you watch Arsenal fans TV. and uh, I try not to. And, uh, actually, the guys are okay. I've met, I've met quite a few of them and they're not too bad. Yes, they're doing a job, but yes, they're creating no different than clickbait and so on. They're, they're, create, they're creating traffic by some of their sensationalist uh, ways that they do things. But um, DT and some of the others, uh, there's a lot of people who have given Wenger the benefit of the doubt this season to see if he can do something with the Europa League, see if he can... Uh, things are hyper-turning again. So unless things pick up, I think you'll see the banners out again soon. I'll see you see the marches and stuff. But if if decision if, if results didn't go the right way, it would have come out earlier and a lot more vocal. What do you reckon, Santi? <laughs> he actually just woke up. Um, I yeah, I don't I still don't think that he would ever walk in the middle of the season, even if it was mutually agreed. But <clears throat> I don't think we'll ever have to come to that decision or come to the situation where we'll have to see that happen. But um, yeah, I'm hopeful that the change is a positive one. I'm hopeful that it sets us up for the future, but only time will tell. And, And hopefully within the next year, maybe even in January during the transfer window, we'll be able to make or at least see some changes happening that will allow us to bring maybe one or two players that maybe we wouldn't have even thought of or looked at in the past um, that could make a difference. So again, time will tell if they make a difference. That, but that, well, that, that could start us another half hour debate about insanity <laughs> and uh, so on. Yeah. Listen, it'd be really interesting to know what um, everyone out there thinks. Um, we're on Twitter, guns and guns and ribbons at guns and ribbons. Um, we're on Facebook, guns and yellow ribbons, and we're on email info at guns and yellow ribbons.com. Get your suggestions, your comments. Uh, let us know what you think about the debate that we've had and what you think about Sven, Raul, um, Ozil, Wenger, Sanchez, and Czech. Really interesting. Yeah, and before we actually step away, um, we skipped the preview for uh, the Liverpool match. So I just like to, I'd like to spend you know maybe sixty seconds each of us just kind of let share our thoughts. So I guess I'll start with you. Let me know, um, you know, give me a well, quick brief uh, prediction. Give me your thoughts on the lineup. What do you think is going to come of that match? And I know you'll be there. So, well, I'm at the West Ham game um, on. Tuesday night, tomorrow night, um, which I'm expecting Europa League type kids sort of line up. Um, I'd like to think we'd win it, but West Ham will be well up for it. Um, I will go 2-1 in 90 minutes on that game. On the Liverpool game, it's a Friday night. I fucking hate Friday night football, and I'm going to hate Saturday night football in two seasons' time. Uh, We can talk about that. Um, I would go... Can't predict us losing, and we got to get some revenge. <laughs> Let's go. Three two to the Arsenal. Lineups usual. I would have um, AOL up front again. I would like Jack and Shaka. Or Jack, yeah, Jack and Shaka. I prefer a back three with Klasniak and unfortunately Bellerin, but. Maybe Niles give him a go out that side, but I don't think he'll get a shout. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> I am going to say, I mean, the West Ham game, like you said, Europa League type starting 11, I can't imagine that most of the players that featured on Saturday will get a run out. Um, <clears throat> but I do think that although West Ham will be up for it, I think that their main focus at this point is getting out of that relegation zone. I know that they are out right now, but they're only two points clear. So I can't imagine that they're going to feel the full um, squad like they did against us, obviously, on Wednesday. I would imagine some changes there, and I would expect Arsenal to be able to come away with um, the win. And they have to, because if they don't win, that means... I run the risk of not watching any fixture while I'm out there. So if they win, I should be able to catch the next round while I'm in, in the UK. Um, in terms of <clears throat> prediction, I'm going to go with um, 2-0 to Arsenal. Um, and then in terms of the, the Liverpool game, Friday night doesn't bother me, um, especially since I'm off work uh, for the last two weeks of the year. So it'll be good. I'll be able to watch it. No worries about having to get things done at work while watching it. So lineup, again, I like you said, there probably isn't going to be much change from what we saw this weekend, apart from I would imagine Kolasinac is going to come in on that left side. I don't know if Mustafi will be ready. Um, if he is, maybe we go back to a, a three at the back again. I don't know. It's very unpredictable with Arsene Wenger. But what I do know is this is a match that Arsenal has to show up for. I mean, the fact that we got embarrassed at Anfield the first time around um, should be motivation enough for these guys to really show up. And the fact that Oxley chamberlains back at um, the Emirates. Would you, would you boo him or would you um, applaud him if he was, if you were there? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the unfortunate thing is we don't, we don't know what goes on in the background, right? We're only exposed to what we see in the media and, and what we see in the media, I would probably be willing to say 75% of the time is inaccurate, right? I, I never disliked him while he was at Arsenal. Um, it seems like he may, may have forced his way out. I know that towards the end, it seemed that he had, had essentially checked out and Arsenal was at that point just trying to I think, I, I think try hard him to keep him. Him playing in the, in the Liverpool game, he didn't look like he turned up, was one of the things that people will hold against him. He did do on some unfortunate social media posts afterwards, which I don't think he necessarily meant and apologised for afterwards. Um, yeah. I, actually, I actually like the kid and I, won't, I, I for one won't be booing him. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't boo him, but I mean, again, I was upset with the way it all kind of unfolded, but regardless i mean he's he's got to do what's best for what he thinks in his career and he thinks that a move to liverpool was the best decision and i mean and we got four has million. yeah so um, my prediction is going to be 3-0 arsenal i know that there's a lot of Ooh. there's a lot of talk um, about you know that front three from Liverpool and how they're quick and listen i know that they can cause all sorts of fucking problems for arsenal's backline but I'm very, very hopeful with the fact that we got smashed in the first game, that these guys will be up for it again, um, similar to what they did against Man United, minus the stupid fuck-ups at the beginning of the match. So, I, I think do if hope you're right, but we just <laughs> don't look at the party at the margin. I'm gone 3-2, but that's only because I'm hoping they're up. Uh, sorry, I, yeah, I went 3-2 because I'm, I'm hoping they're up for it, but I could easily see us getting smashed again. Just cause Fergus, do not say hard. that. Take that oh, back. Oh, no, I meant me. 
I meant me in the pub before. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> that is fine. <laughs> I was okay. going to say, go wash Listen, your mouth out. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> Listen, it's been another good one. Santi's getting restless. Um, I need to go down and uh, make sure I say hello to my wife. I haven't seen her all night. <laughs> um, it, it, they're getting longer, better. Uh, it's enjoyable. We mixed up a little bit this time. Um, I hope you guys all enjoyed it. So from, from me, it's uh, good night and thanks very much. And from you, it's good afternoon, I think, isn't it? That is correct. We will uh, see you guys next week. And again, stay in touch. Let us know what your thoughts are, any suggestions, any feedback, join the conversation. And we will possibly see you before, speak to you all before Christmas, depending on how the schedule looks, because I know we play Friday. But either way, if we don't, um, happy holidays to everyone. But hopefully we can get one in before uh, Santa Claus shows up. And Merry Christmas from uh, the side of the pond to you and uh, all. Uh, maybe we get something done Saturday. Yeah, maybe Saturday or Sunday. Probably Saturday the better, but yeah, we'll yes. figure it out. Okay. Um, remember, uh, like uh, us on SoundCloud, review us on iTunes, follow us, everything else, and share us. Thanks all. Good night. Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Thanks for listening and up the Arsenal.